of heights to the depths of the sea. But we can tell as we look at this, I had you underline, David inquired of the Lord because whenever David is, is in a good place, he inquires of the Lord. And there were moments in his life when he was running from the Philistines that rarely did he call upon God. And yet there were other times that he did. And this is a good thing for David to, to do, and it's also a good thing for you and I to do. All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck with fall to our knees as we humbly Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, Pastor Rob reviews an important character trait of David by how he inquired of the Lord. This character trait should be developed in all believers in Jesus Christ as they mature. Inquiring of the Lord gives us the opportunity to draw closer to Him, but also makes Him a part of everything we do. Jesus is gentle and never forces Himself on anyone. By inquiring of Him in all that we do and the decisions that we make on a daily basis, He leads us into His righteousness, which will direct us on the narrow path as we follow Him. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, Already in Progress. David inquired of the Lord. Underline that if you haven't already. He inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered. Notice, David inquired and God answered. And I love that because when you and I pray, we can expect an answer from God. Sometimes it's silence, which means not yet. (laughs) Believe me, and I know this to be true in my own life, and I'm no different than you. We're all the same in this. That when God is ready to speak to you, he will speak to you. He will make it very clear to you. If you have a willing heart, he will make sure that you don't miss what he wants for you. If you're willing, he will make sure of it. But David inquired, and God answered. And he said, why are we having this famine, you know, year after year for three years? And God answered and gave him the answer. The famine is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. He killed the Gibeonites. Now, this particular incident is not recorded in the Scripture anywhere where Saul had done this, but evidently he did do it. Otherwise, the Lord would not have spoken, right? Some believe that this event of Saul killing the Gideon, Gideon, uh, Gideonites, Gibeonites <laughs> occurred around the time of 1 Samuel chapter 22. You might want to just make a mention of your, in your margin, 1 Samuel 22. And this was the time when he murdered the priests at Nob. Remember when David was fleeing Saul, one of the places he went was to a city called Nob where the ark was. And Abimelech, or Ahimelech, the priest was there and 85 other priests, and they served. And David went there, and remember, he was given the, 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 the sword of Goliath. It was there behind the, uh, behind the ephod there in the, 
in the tabernacle, wherever they were keeping it at that time. And Saul heard about it, and because he hated David so bad, he knew that there's been some conspiring between Ahimelech the priest and David, even though that wasn't the case. But when you got a madman, he, he's not thinking rationally. So what does he do? He goes and reasons with him, doesn't he? He goes and he tells him, you know, tell me what you said. No, he didn't do that, did he? He killed him. He was so angry and a rage against David that he wanted to kill any he wanted to kill David and anybody associated with him, and that's exactly what he did. And we will look at this a little bit later, but we believe that this this time that um, that that Saul killed the Gibeonites was probably around 1 Samuel 22, and we'll look at that a little bit later. But we can tell as we look at this, I had you underline, David inquired of the Lord because whenever David is, is in a good place, he inquires of the Lord. And there were moments in his life when he was running from the Philistines that rarely did he call upon God, and yet there were other times that he did. And this is a good thing for David to, to do, and it's also a good thing for you and I to do. To inquire of the Lord. To really ask him. Let him be a part of every, every part of your life, every decision that you make. He delights to be part of your life. That's part of the relationship. That's part of the relationship. I, want, I would like for you to write down a handful of verses. So if you've got a, a pencil or whatever, or you've got your phone and you want to write them down, or you can listen, re-listen to this message again. Um, the first one is, I'm going to give you five of them, and I'm going to give you to them for a reason, and I'll explain afterwards. 1 Samuel 23, verse 2. 1 Samuel 30, verse 8. Now in 2 Samuel, chapter 2, verse 1. And in 2 Samuel again, chapter 5, verse 19 and 23. And finally, in 2 Samuel 21, verse 1. And why did I bring those up? Because we're going to see David inquiring. This is really a chronology of David inquiring of the Lord. We'll, we'll know that in uh, the very first one, in, in chapter 23 of 1 Samuel, this is when uh, David saves the city of Keilah when he was on the run from Saul in exile. He ends up saving a city from the hand of the Philistines. But it says that when they took David, they told David, saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are robbing the threshing floors, which is their, their source of food. They, they thresh wheat. And, and so they would, they would take the wheat and they would do this with it and the, and the chaff would blow away, but the grain would fall to the ground and the Philistines were coming in and waiting for them to do all that and then robbing their, their food. And so David, being very indignant, he took matters and, and helped them. And notice in verse 2, it says, I'll just read it to you, you don't have to go there. It says, David inquired of the Lord, and he says, Shall I go up and attack these Philistines for what they're doing? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. So with that mandate, God has given to David everything he needs. He doesn't need anything more but just to go and accomplish that thing because God has already given him the victory. Don't you love that? When God tells you to do something, do it immediately. Don't wait around. If he says, I want you to do something, do it. Be 
crazy enough to just obey and put your questions aside, put your what ifs and what if, you know, I don't know that that's going to happen. How am I going to do this? Just go. Just go and watch what he does. Just go and watch what he does. Because if he didn't, if he, if he told you to do something, he wouldn't tell you now and expect you to do something a month later or a year later. Because he could meet you at that time too. So listen to the Lord's voice. And it says that the Lord says, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, Look, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? And notice that David, even hearing his own men and the fright in their own heart, he even goes back to the Lord. And it says, David inquired of the Lord once again. And the Lord answered and said, Arise, go to, go to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. Do you see how wonderful that is? The confidence that David... And God didn't say, um, David, I told you the first time. You know, now that you're questioning me, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> Did he do that? No. Just like Gideon, David comes back a second time. Lord, are you sure about this? Yeah, David, I am sure. You go and you're going to clean house. I'll see to it. I'll make sure. And God didn't upbraid him because he was affected by the fear of his men. Do you see that? And we're like that. We can be like that. But in 1 Samuel 30, again, it says after, and this was after the Amalekites had taken David's wives and the wives and, the, of the, and families of those with David captive from Ziklag. And it was after this that he began to inquire of the Lord. David finally comes to his senses at this time, after nearly everything is lost, he doesn't know that they're still alive. But notice in verse 8, it says, David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And what did God do? He answered him. He said, pursue for all you, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Love that. And in Second Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, after Saul had died, what does it say? It happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. And David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. And so David obeys. He inquired of the Lord. And I would encourage you to write these down because they don't happen very often. But he did inquire of the Lord. And it's important for us to inquire of the Lord. And here is a one really wonderful reason in 2 Samuel chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, it says this. And this is at the very beginning of his reign. It says that when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. And the Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And so David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I go up against these Phil- the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And notice the Lord answered. Go figure. He answered him. You know what? When, when you are in distress, and I have found this to be true in my own life, that especially when I am at my end, when I've exhausted, and, and, and I hope I don't have to exhaust all my resources before I go to the Lord, I think it's more important that we go to him before we exhaust our resources. Because a lot of people do that, because we have more faith in our credit cards. We have more faith in those kinds of things than we do God. But when we go to God first, and when we're really desperate, I have found that God responds to desperation more than anything. 
He loves to prove himself strong on behalf of you and I when we are at our wits' end, when we are at the point of we're just about ready to throw in the towel. Our faith is, is failing. Our faith is weak. We're struggling. We're like, I, if God doesn't do something today, I am, I'm out of this. I, I, I can't do this anymore. Or I'm going to lose this or I'm going to lose that. And God loves to bring us right to the end. And sometimes he does because that's where the rubber hits the road with us where our faith is really tested. He already knows how we're going to respond, but see, I, you, need to know where we really stand. Am I really going to trust in him, or am I going to trust in my other vices that I have available, my palate that I have of when I get in trouble, I call this person. When I, have, when I get in trouble, I call this person. You know, and we have all these things, and God says, why don't you just come to me? Come to me first. When you're sick, come to me first. Confess any known sin and come to me first. And if that's the reason, I can restore you and I can heal you. If you've got a bad attitude, which I often have, I, I go to him. And I'm like, Lord, I really have a really rotten attitude. Would you help me, Lord? I am so sick of myself. I don't even like hearing the thoughts in my own head. Can anybody relate? I, I sometimes feel like a bear sometimes in my house walking around and most of it I keep in, although my wife and my daughter can attest that sometimes I, I, I talk about, you know, I just emit my grumblings. I mean, not yelling at people or anything, but just, you know, just discouraged and frustrated and, you know, not hurting them or anything. But I'm sure they're like, man, I wish he would just go spend time with God. <laughs> can, he, can he just go out into the woods? Lord, would you take my husband out into the woods that's what my wife would say. Take him out to the woods, Lord, to the shed, to the woodshed, and do business there with him alone. And my daughter would say, hallelujah. But notice, I think this is very interesting. And I would encourage you to read this passage and really think about it. Meditate on it. Second Samuel 5, beginning in verse 17, it says, When the Philistines heard... Uh, I said that, actually. Uh, the Philistines also went and they deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. And so David went to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perazim. And they left their images there, meaning their teraphim, the Philistines, because they were a idol-worshipping group of people. You know people like that? Idol worshippers? They left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. And then the Philistines went up once again, and they deployed themselves again in the valley of Rephaim. And therefore David inquired of the Lord, and he said, You shall not go up. Circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be that when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall, then you shall advance quickly. For then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him. And he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. That's the place where all the old folks live. I'm only kidding. And so, the idea here is that David inquired of the Lord and God gave him victory, right? And then they get in the valley and they, set, they, they get in the battle array again. And so he's thinking, oh, great, 2.0 coming up. I'm just going to do what I did the first time because it worked. It worked. 
I don't need to go to God. The first time he told us what to do, we'll just meet him head on. God will give us the victory. And God says, and thank God David inquired of the Lord. Because had he not, they could have got their tail whipped. Because God says, i got a different battle plan here. They're expecting you to come out. See, I love God about this. It's really unfair, actually, that God knows how to psychologically beat the enemy. The enemy's thinking you're coming on from front all the time, and, and, and they don't realize that you got one-third of your army coming from this side, one-third of your army coming from this side, one-third of the army coming in, in back of you, and you got one guy lighting the city on fire in front of you, and you're running toward that, toward the smoke, and you got people coming in all around you, and it's over. Game over. X's in the eyes. And David inquired of the Lord, said, David, don't do the same thing. I got something completely different. And it required obedience, didn't it? It required him to exercise faith. What are you talking about? A sound of marching above the mulberry trees? Whatever. He doesn't give that attitude. That's just me being me. But David doesn't. He he obeys God. And God gives him this wonderful victory. Why? Because he simply inquired of the Lord and he obeyed what God had said to do. That is the secret to our Christian life. Listen, inquire of the Lord, and then do what he tells us. And don't ask a lot of questions. Usually my questions are, are, are just confounded with a lack of faith, with unbelief. That's true. It happens. So this passage that I just read to you not only tells us of the importance of being in constant dialogue in prayer with the Lord, but also that the Lord oftentimes doesn't do the same thing in the same way. And our relationship with God is not some static set of rules and laws, but it's dynamic, isn't it? Our relationship with God is very much in these specific circumstances that we're all in. He's in the circumstances. And notice that the Lord gave him the answer as to why there was a three-year famine. He did. At the end of verse 1, he says, And the Lord answered, It's because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house. Because he killed the Gibeonites. And another reason we believe this was early in David's reign is because why would the Lord wait till the end of David's reign to fix something that had occurred many years ago under Saul's reign? Wouldn't that seem kind of weird? David comes in, from your perspective, looking at me, you know, David comes into, you know, Saul does his wicked deeds back here. David comes into power, and God waits until the end of David's reign to say, um, there's a problem that happened way back about 20 years ago. I'd like to deal with that now. No, God doesn't do that. He's like, I'm going to deal with this now. Right as soon as you're starting, David, before we go any further, I want to fix this issue that had happened. And notice in verse 2, it says, The king, David, he called the Gibeonites, and he spoke to them. And the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but notice, of the remnant of the Amorites. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Remember when we were going through Deuteronomy? And even we were going through Samuel. The remnant of the Amorites. Were the Amorites, a, a, uh, were they part of the Canaanites? Were they, weren't they one of the seven nations of, of tribes that God was going to get rid of before he would bring Israel into the land? Didn't he say that? Remember what he said to Joshua as they went into the promised land? Remember what he said? But of the city, this is Deuteronomy 20, verse 16. 
And this is what God said concerning the Amorites. Because the Gibeonites were part of the Amorites. And what did God say about the Amorites? Let me just refresh your memory. Deuteronomy 20, verse 16. But the cities of these peoples which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive. Boy, that is such... You know, if God was to do this today, he would be impeached and he would be put into prison. And he would be cast out and crucified again quicker than probably what he was in Rome. He would have been castigated. He would have been suspended and canceled off Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. They would have kicked him off of all those things. They wouldn't even allow him to speak as if he can be withheld from speaking. I'm looking forward to the day when he comes back and he roars. Everyone's going to hear it. But notice, but of the cities of these peoples which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive. Why? Is it because that they were that because God is so mean? No, He tells us. But you shall utterly destroy them. You shall utterly destroy them. Here are the people groups, children of Israel, that I want you to destroy. The reason I'm bringing you into the land is because of their wickedness. They've been doing it for hundreds of years. I'm going to bring judgment. I'm going to use you as my hammer of justice against them. And God is right in doing so. What does he say? The Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. And why? Do they need to utterly destroy these seven people groups? Here's the reason, verse 18. Lest they teach you to do according to all their abominations which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. That's why. It's because of sin. God is not capricious in just killing people. He doesn't kill people. I mean, in that sense, he, he brings judgment upon them. See, there is a judgment coming. And you and I, if we are in Christ, we will never see the judgment part of God. He's already taken our judgment upon himself on the cross. That's what's so beautiful about the crucifixion. He's already taken the punishment. But there, those who are not in Christ, unless they give their heart to Christ, they will stand before an all-powerful God. And I hate to see that day at the great white throne judgment when all believers who have died... Even those who have died will be resurrected before his throne and they will be given a resurrection body and they will live in a resurrection of condemnation in the lake of fire forever and ever that burns forever and ever. And do you think God enjoys that? No, he doesn't. It breaks his heart. He doesn't want to see anybody. But they choose that place. You and I have to choose. And so the Amorites and the Gibeonites were part of those Amorite people and they were to be eradicated. They were to be destroyed. Again, why? Because of their sin. And when we were in, if you go to Israel with us one year, um, you'll see the very Canaanite altars. They discovered this up in Megiddo, and I got pictures of it. And you can't even get near it because they got it all roped off. But there was an actual altar that you can see there in Megiddo. And uh, it's approached by stairs, and it's made of these crude rocks, and they uncovered it. It's still there. And they used to sacrifice humans babies on that altar to their gods, their false gods, Molech and, and Baal. They would sacrifice human beings on that thing. And do you think that that really ticked God off? You better believe it. God hates it. Just as he hates abortion, he hates abortion. That concludes our time for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Second Samuel. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.